Welcome to the 3 d Podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Regular co-host Justin Lewis is um, away tonight, but I am excited to welcome um, a fellow writer from SB Nation, Preston Lewis, um, from the Bird Rights, the uh, New Orleans Pelican site. Preston, how are you? And, and please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, I write for the Bird Rights. I write for Orlando Pinstripe Post. And you guys can actually catch two of my articles um, for Bleach Report this week. And one of them, actually, the topic is, is it too late for Zion to steal the rookie hardware from John Moran? Well, well, well hopefully. I will have to read that myself. <laughs> hopefully, it won't be too close of a race. But let's jump right into that. It's the news of the week. Um, you know, after tomorrow's big game between the Pelicans and the Grizzlies, you know, Zion Williamson's. Um, you know, debut. It's going to be nice to talk about him playing and so there being a big deal about whether or not he's falling asleep on the bench. Everybody does that oh, well. in an NBA game. <laughs> but, but talk a little bit about that, the excitement that's around the Pelicans right now and just just how and, and, and anticipated of a debut, you know, this is. What's the feeling down in New Orleans? Well, it's, it's typical to be excited about a number one overall pick, especially one as heralded as him, who performed as well uh, in the preseason as he did. Uh, he, I can track back rookie scoring numbers all the way to 2002, 2003 on Synergy. Nobody has ever put up the scoring volume that Zion has in that 16 years. Comes a sort of expectation or anticipation with that. However, he far exceeds that just because of his size, his, his charm, his smile, his likability. There's no one quite like him in terms of in terms of like global interest. He's already at a LeBron-like level before having played a minute of NBA basketball. He really is a phenomenon like Godzilla walking through the streets of New Orleans. Everybody knows his face. Everybody recognizes his name. Everybody notices the drawn-in on the side of his forehead. He's more than just an athlete that can take the New Orleans Pelicans to the next level. He's an athlete that can tra- transform the market. He can transform the identity of the fan base. Everybody is so excited about this team just in general. We've gotten really lucky with Brandon Ingram, J.J. Redick, Derek Favors. We'll get into all that. But this is the kind of guy who can make the New Orleans Pelicans possibly in three years more popular than the New Orleans Saints, which would have been unfathomable you know, just two to three years ago. But that's the level of interest a player like him brings. And obviously, you know, being a Grizzlies fan, you know, we've seen that. John Morant is, um, he, he's exceeded expectations and is truly, you know, taken over. But let's not kid ourselves. There's a reason why Zion um, was considered a generational talent, a reason why he had, was one of the most hyped rookies to come in the league. So obviously his debut is, is a big, big deal. But here in Memphis, we've been excited about our recent playoff run or our recent emergence in the playoff run. However, Zion's presence, as well as this New Orleans team, continuing to get a bit better, it seems, each month. They're now kind of, not necessarily at a crossroads, but with the West's eighth spot and seventh maybe being wide open, do the Pelicans take Zion's debut as the addition they need to truly go after the playoffs? And do you think that's going to be their focus at the trade deadline, trying to beef up for a playoff run, or do do they stay focused on the future? Well, the Pelicans are definitely going to be buyers. They're not going to be sellers. However, there's not a lot that they want to part from. They've got a litany of second-round picks that they're willing to just dispose of because they might have as many as six players coming in this draft, including their draft and stash guy, D.D. Silva, who really showed well at Summer League. We all anticipate he's going to join the team next year. So that's that's six players, including three second-round picks. So what they're going to do is they've got Darius Miller's 
it, essentially, he's expiring. He's got another year of $7 million, but as a team option. So he's really an expiring player. So they're going to package him and a couple, maybe as many as three second-round picks. They've also got future second-round picks from the Nuggets, the Bucks, the Washington Wizards. And they're going to try to use all those picks to get, you know, I, I, I'm just throwing, uh, you know, darts on a wall, a Jay Crowder, a, a Tony Snell, a uh, Robert Covington. They're going to be in the market for that kind of wing who can give them a defensive presence at the three and the four because you see just how bad they are. I'm sure we'll get into this when Derek Favors is not on the floor. Jackson Hayes has been a revelation. They thought he was going to be a project, a redshirt. He's been very good, but when he's on the floor defensively, they suffer greatly. They're one of the worst in the NBA with Jackson Hayes on the floor at center. They need somebody to help mitigate that because Brandon Ingram can't do that. As a four, he can score on anybody, but defensively, pairing him and Jackson Hayes together, not so good. So they are still shopping around. The Pelicans are still going to be very aggressive. And, yes, even if Zion sat the rest of the season, the Pelicans have a very easy schedule over the latter course of the season. 14 of their last 15 opponents are all under 500. They've won 10 of their last 15 games against really, really good teams. And the teams they've lost to, for example, the Los Angeles Clippers, I think they were up by as many as 15, ended up losing by three. So this is a good basketball team right now. When Derek Favors is on the floor, it's a very good basketball team. And if Favors plays, which he's expected to, the Grizzlies and the Pelicans, the Grizzlies obviously have won seven in a row. It's going to be a terrific contest. And we'll get into that contest in just a second. But that's the thing about this core now is that, you know, this rookie class, Hayes, has emerged. Um, you know, Zion, obviously, there are a few others ha- 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 are, cont- are definitely have the talent to emerge as the season goes along. Brandon Ingram playing at an all-star level and, of course, the supporting cast being there. Preston, do you feel that this team, are they ahead of schedule? Obviously, Zion not playing, you know, kind of was put a damper on things. But is this, is the core around Zion, is it ahead of schedule from what you thought it would be coming into the season? And that's what's confusing about all this because the team as it is when healthy is a very good team, but it's not going to be a great team. And they they could be good enough to go to the playoffs. Many expected them before the season that they would. But once Zion enters the lineup, everything changes because some of these guys might perform well in certain functions, certain lineups, but none of that matters. All of that's going to go out the window. The only thing that's going to matter is how these guys pair with Zion, how they share the floor with Zion, what Zion needs. Is he a small ball five? Is he somebody who's going to be a full-time power forward? Is he going to be capable of giving some minutes at the three? All of that is going to be dictated in the next three months, and that's going to change a lot of uh, perspective the Pelicans have on their own players. David Griffin just said uh, in a press conference following a practice, he said, we don't have the opportunity to evaluate anyone yet because so much of this just uh, depends upon how these guys fit when everyone is healthy, and that's finally something that we're going to get to find out so some of these guys who have been breakout stars that's all well and good and Brandon Ingram of course will be re-signed but Derek Favors as he's playing right now you'd have to think the Pelicans would bring him back on a minimum three-year deal but that might change if for some reason he and Zion can't share the floor or Zion is is a more long-term fit at, at the five position we don't know what he's going to become so everything's going to change in the next week for Pelicans fans. And that's the thing that I will also mention is that, you know, with Zion, you kind of hit the nail on the head with Zion coming in, 
What do you expect his role to be? Is there going to be a minutes restriction? Is he going to come off the bench at first? Is he going to start? Obviously, we all wish that his debut was tomorrow, but I get why they want for him to start at the beginning of a homestand. But do you feel that his role will be eased in? I'm guessing it would be. And just an idea of how he might be eased in over the next few weeks before the All-Star break. Well, um, Alvin Gentry spoke after David Griffin, and they actually kind of uh, gave dissimilar comments in that regard. David Griffin essentially said, we're going to judge based on how he looks. How he looks is how much he's going to play. We're not going to give him a restriction. But then Alvin Gentry, 10 minutes later, said, we're going to know how many minutes he plays before he even steps on the court. As far as starting, this is a, a debate that we've had. Obviously, you want to ease him into game action. But with that being said, this guy hasn't played a minute of NBA basketball since October. When he goes through warm-ups, when he goes through layup lines, he's going to be feeling good. His body's going to be warm. That's the player you want on the court. You don't want him feeling warm, sitting on the bench, you know, icing his knee, putting on, you know, the extra wrap, and then taking all that stuff out off and going into the game cold at like the five, six-minute mark. No, you got to start him. you got to start him. you got to put Brandon Ingram at the three. got to put Favors at the five. And then you're going to go with some combination of Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday or J.J. Redick, depending on who's healthy, because – They've, they've had a lot of guys out. They've had as many as seven of their regular rotation players out in the past couple of weeks. Right now, I think they stand at five. So all of that is going to be contingent upon who's healthy. Uh, Brandon Ingram's been questionable a lot lately. Derek Favors is questionable for this game with the Memphis Grizzlies with his lower back. So all of that could be dictated just based on who's available. But if it was up to me, if it was my decision, you've got to start him. Again, talking with Preston Ellis, who was kind enough to join us um, on short notice uh, uh, this uh, this evening. But uh, you know, Preston, so getting into the game tomorrow, um, just a couple quick questions as we as we wrap up with you. How do you expect it to be? Do, 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 you know, obviously everybody talks about the Christmas games, but we could be seeing two teams that likely may become Christmas fixtures in the near future between the Grizzlies and the Pelicans. How do you see the game matching up? Obviously, for Grizzlies fans, we want to set a franchise record for most wins in a row, and tomorrow we would tie it. Do you feel that it's going to be a close game? And what do you think the X factor is for the Pelicans to be able to come in tomorrow and escape with the victory? It's definitely going to be a close game, regardless of who's available in the lineup for the Pelicans. The Grizzlies are just so good right now. They're so cocky. Everybody's seen the the video of John Moran uh, teaching James Harden a lesson about who he is. And that's the player that the Pelicans are going to have to face, unfortunately. But uh, like I keep reiterating, Derek Favors is going to make this difference for the Pelicans. The Grizzlies are the best in the league right now at getting into the paint and scoring in the paint. And the Pelicans are going to have real trouble trying to stop them. And that's somewhere where Derek Favors can be a boon for the Pelicans. Also rebounding. They change as a team rebounding, team rebounding, when he's on the floor. And that's going to mean that Jonas Valanciunas is going to have to play heavier minutes. And if you've got Valanciunas on the floor, suddenly that opens up so much space for the for the Pelicans playmakers and attackers. And Derek Favors is low-key, very effective in the pick and roll. Uh, he activates everybody from Lonzo Ball to Drew Holiday to Brandon Ingram to Frank Jackson. He makes everybody look like a playmaking stud when he's on the floor. So the Pelicans really desperately need him on the defensive and on the offensive end of the floor. But with that being said, that's going to be an advantage for the Pelicans. But it's, it's anybody's guess. How are the Pelicans going to stop John Moran? Uh, this is a guy who's going for 20-8 and eight every game. His, his energy is like a shot of adrenaline into this crowd and into his teammates. Six players for the Memphis Grizzlies are shooting over 39% from three-point range. That has a lot to do with John Moran's playmaking. He collapses the defense in, in ways that 
not many players do. There's only three players in the NBA per 36 who are scoring and assisting more than he is right now. He is really just activating the Grizzlies' offense. So guys like Dylan Brooks are getting clean looks. Uh, guys like Jaron Jackson, who's shooting, I think, like 42% from three-point range on close to five shots per game. Uh, but one advantage that they'll have over Jackson is he hasn't he hasn't been a great rebounder at this point in his career. He's averaging under five rebounds per game, so that's going to help the Pelicans because that's a weakness, uh, one through four for them. They've got guards who have to be heavy in the rebounding game. Um, but having Jackson out on the perimeter, that's going to be a boon for the Pelicans. But with that being said, you guys have a lot of playmakers, and the Pelicans are just going to have to take advantage of Kyle Anderson, of Solomon Hill, of Jake Crowder. The bench for the Pelicans has been very good when healthy. You guys are going to get a big dose of Nikhail Alexander-Walker. Josh Hart is going to be an integral part of what they do. Uh, Jackson Hayes, of course, is a, is a high-flying, uh, a slam-dunking menace who is going to be good for a couple of highlights in his own regard. So it's definitely going to be fun. I like the Pelicans' odds when Favors is on the floor. Uh, when he's not, it's, it's really anybody's guess. And having this game on MLK Day, I know what that means for the city of Memphis. I know how hyped this crowd is going to be. They're, they're going to be walking into enemy territory. It's not going to be easy, even if they are at their best. But they've been so good the past three weeks. I still think they can pull it off if they've got their, their big man down low. It's going to be a special day. And one last thing for you, Preston, I know that you're uh, pressed for time, but I, I will say this, you know, with these two teams and, you know, with obviously with Westbrook and Harden and with Luca and, and his crew in Dallas, the Southwest division is one that it, it, just like it's been in the recent past is one of the brightest, maybe the brightest in the NBA. What may set apart, you know, in the near future, uh, uh, what team emerges is the work of the front office. The Grizzlies are getting a lot of pub, a lot of praise for their work, but David Griffin has done an excellent job handling the Anthony Davis situation, handling Zion's um, injury. How confident has this season made you and him going forward and continuing to surround Zion with the talent that he needs to turn the uh, Pelicans into a perennial winner? Well, I'll tell you that a lot of Pelicans fans were disappointed that the Knicks didn't get the number two overall pick because we were really hoping to send Anthony Davis at the time to New York and bringing John Morant to New Orleans because that's the way that Pelicans fans think about him. Uh, but there's still so much to be excited about. None of us expect it. Well, I actually wrote about it for Bleacher Report that uh, Brandon Ingram would win most improved. But based on his injury history, it was hard to imagine that he would come out and be this consistent and be this good from, from deep and be this type of playmaker. Uh, so, of course, we're all thrilled. And the Pelicans just have a stash of assets, uh, multiple first-round picks, three from the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, partially a fourth from the from the Cleveland Cavaliers. We're really high on this guy, Didi Silva. sorry. And there are so many other great players. Josh Hart is emerging. Lonzo Ball is emerging. So the Pelicans have a lot going for them. But I got to say, I am so excited that John Morant landed with the Grizzlies because I'm going to get to watch this guy four times every year. We're going to get four matchups with Ja in the next three months. And this guy is electric basketball. You know that Zion and he are good friends. They played AAU on the same team together. They're going to bring it. When they go head-to-head, you guys will get a glimpse of Zion on January 31st. That's when we next play the Grizzlies. These guys are going to bring it. They're going to see what they're doing on other opposite ends of the court, and they're going to want to one-up each other. And it really is going to be exhilarating basketball. Everybody's enjoying watching the Pelicans right now. Everybody's enjoying watching the Grizzlies right now. Watching the two of them come together and grow together, if, if you're a fan of basketball, you, you can't not enjoy this moment. 
And that's what we did. That, that's that's a great point to, to end this session with Preston on, especially on Martin Luther King Day, just the emergence of, of so many um, young African-Americans and, 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 and their talents and things like that. There's not a better day to celebrate uh, the future of the NBA and the future of these two teams um, honoring one of the greatest Americans of, to have ever lived. So uh, Preston, you bring up a great point. It's going to be a great day for the city of Memphis and the league itself. Preston, thank you so much for joining us. We will try to get you on soon. Hope that you have a good night. Folks, we'll be right back here with you on the 3 and D podcast. Welcome back to the 3 and D podcast. Uh, again, my name is Sean Coleman uh, here with um, you know Miss Lauren Harvey from uh, Grizzly Bear Blues. We had Preston Ellis uh, from the New Orleans Pelicans uh, SB Nation site, the Bird Rights, joining us for the first half of the pod. Now we got fellow GBBer Lauren Harvey. Lauren, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm so excited to to have you back. It has been far too long. Uh, we did a uh, um, that it was it a draft review. Yes, it was the draft review show. Me, you, and Colin Griffith, and you're yeah. Uh, we're so so good at it, your perspective on things. So I'm so excited to have you back. Um, Lauren, tell everybody kind of how you've been, where they can, you know, find you on Twitter and things like that, and what's been going on uh, with you um, going through the holiday season into the new year. Yeah, well, you can find me on Twitter at Dragic Kingdom, um, and, you know, just been sailing through the holidays, having a whole lot of fun with these Grizzlies. Um, I mean, it's really just almost surreal what's been going on, but I'm I'm really just enjoying the ride. Um, and really excited to see where it takes us. Well, and the thing that I'll say, and like she said, you can find her at Drogic Kingdom. She has um, contributed um, several awesome pieces, uh, including one, Let's Get Weird Memphis, just talking about, you know, the different rotations and, you know, just the emergence of, of a new era for the Grizzlies. And, and it truly is um, a new era, Lauren, um, it, it, the fact comes down to this is that the Grizzlies are in a position nobody expected them to be in. And it, while, you know, you may want to look at it from, you know, is there dilemmas there? It, it, there's really not. The, there is nothing wrong with having all the positive options on the table that the Grizzlies have now, now that they are, you know, officially in the playoff picture. But the thing about it is that with the trade deadline coming up, we've got some interesting um, things, you know, some interesting opportunities that are there. And what it comes down to is, you know, should we stay sellers and focus on the future or should we keep the band together and see how far they can go? What are your thoughts on that culture versus um, creativity? You know, should the Grizzlies put all their options on the table to, to trade them and get as many assets as possible? Or should they try to, you know, keep the band together besides Iggy and, and just see what they can do with the Niguadala trade? Um, well, that's the beauty of the whole situation that the Grizzlies are in. I mean, you know, it's not that they should, um, they should kind of push all their chips in and mortgage the future to try to make the playoffs, uh, for sure. But the core of what they've already built kind of seems so far ahead of schedule already that they're building around the margins now. And so they, you know, like a player like Jay Crowder, um, you know, he's a guy that's super strong in the locker room. Um, he's a guy that people have pointed to even, you know, I was reading, I think something that Jaron's uptick in, um, fouls was a part or, uh, you know, being able to decrease 
uh, how much he's fouling lately has been Crowder pulling him aside and kind of being that guy um, to kind of help out with the players. Taylor Jenkins has called him an extension of the coaching staff on the floor. Um, And so a guy that if things had gone even a little bit differently, um, if we weren't that far ahead of schedule, Jay Crowder is a guy where you say, you know, whatever we can, you know, any kind of future asset that we can get for him, let's do it. But now it kind of changes the calculation a little bit where you're looking at him and saying, is it worth it if he's such, you know, if this young group looks up to him so much and buys into what he's saying so much and he really is an extension of the coaching staff on the floor, is that worth, you know, a second rounder, even a high second rounder, um, you know, to get rid of that? And it's just very, very interesting because I would always thought that the Grizzlies would be in a position where, okay, we're going to get rid of, uh, you know, any kind of uh, veteran presence for future assets. And, you know, I don't know that that's necessarily the case now. Um, again, the core is so strong that we can build around the margins and it might be worth hanging on to a guy like a Jay Crowder or a Solomon Hill. Um if if he they really are that much of a presence in the locker room, so it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, for sure. Um, again, I think if the Grizzlies get some kind of you know offer that they can't refuse, you know obviously they're going to trade them. Uh, but it's very nice to be in a position to where you know wow, like we can you know maybe that's not the case. Like we're in, we're so far ahead that you know their presence might just be that valuable. I agree with you to an extent. You know, this isn't a situation like it was two years ago where we clearly, you know, have to, where there's just, there, there's no excuse for not trading them like there was with Tyreek Evans. The thing about it is, is that Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill, Solomon Hill has done great. He still is a, a very um, replaceable piece, and that's nothing against Hill. He's made the most of his situations, and the Grizzlies did a great job making the most of their situation by, you know, getting rid of Chandler, getting Hill, and Hill has done his job as a, as you know, back into the rotation piece. Jay Crowder is a glue guy, and 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 Jay Crowder is proving to be what he has always been. He is a guy who you just want on the court. Players love playing with him. He he puts effort in place. He typically um, is active while his, you know, overall production is not there. Um, Just, you know, his presence, like I say, is typically, you know, as a glue guy, he does well with that. And he always seems to be on a playoff team. So with that being said, I think that for the Grizzlies, you know, again, it just, it comes down to what makes the most sense? What comfort is there? And that's why there's no pressure. That's that's the whole thing about this is that, you know, despite the playoffs now being in, you know, uh, the, the full focus, you know, they, they, while that's not, should not be the focus of the franchise, it is clearly within reason for this season. Um, the Grizzlies feel no pressure. You know, if they trade them all these guys and they get assets, that's fine. If a great deal falls into their lap, that's fine as well. If they stand pat beside Ziggy at the trade deadline, that's fine as well. At the end of the day, there's really no bad way to go. I personally still feel they should do all that they can to maximize future value of present assets um, and, and make sure that, you know, they, they continue to have um, a, a, a deep, deep uh, trunk of assets that they could use in the future. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens. 
What else is in the near future that's very exciting, Lauren, is the NBA All-Star Weekend. And the Grizzlies are lining up to have a presence there. Now, obviously, obviously, thing that, that came down this week was John Morant not competing in the dunk contest. We all would have yeah. loved to have seen that. <laughs> but, you know, the fact that it didn't occur, that's fine. You know, the, the thing about Jaws is that he basically turns um, every game he plays into a show. But, you know, your thoughts on All-Star Weekend, you know, we, you know, Jaron you know, potentially could be in the three-point shoot um, shootout. But, you know, the Grizzlies have a very good chance of turning the Rising Stars game into a, a, a pure stage show of their emergence as one of the best young cores in the league. How exciting are you for the Grizzlies' potential presence at the All-Star Game this weekend? Or excuse yeah, me, the, the upcoming All-Star Weekend. Yeah, I'm really excited, especially kind of in conjunction with all the national uh, media attention that they've been getting, which has been, uh, I mean, it's sort of one of those things where, you know, you kind of see what's going on as a fan. You watch the games and you see what's going on and then you kind of get validation, (laughs) you know, from when people start talking about it. And you, you try to kind of keep things in perspective a little bit and not get too far ahead of yourself. But um, that's just going to be another, um, I think, validation for this franchise, whether or not, you know, Jaw is participating in the dunk contest or not. Um, and that that was one of those things where um, I, I totally understand it, um, you know, makes sense. But at the same time, it's one of the things where, and I know this won't be his last opportunity to participate, but it, it is still one of those things where I'm like, okay, this is one of the most, you know, exciting young stars you guys have. Um, and he's declining the dunk contest. He's 20 years old. Um, as far as, as I know, he's, he's not injured or anything. So you kind of look at it and go, well, you know, why even have the thing? Uh, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're most exciting, one of your most exciting young stars is, is declining it, then, I mean, I guess we're just entering into, you know, a new era, I guess, with this, uh, you know, franchises being extra cautious um, with their young stars, but it's still something, you know, that I would have liked to see. But even so, even if with John Optus Bain, they're going to have a huge presence there. Um, you know, like you said, he probably will uh, do the Rising Stars Challenge um, and, uh, you know, the, the uh, rookie versus sophomore game. Um, we'll have a huge Grizzlies presence. So it'll still be something, again, to where uh, I'm sure the national spotlight will continue to shine on this franchise. And uh, it's just really exciting. It's 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 uncharted territory um, for this franchise, and, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Speaking of national spotlight, we're talking to you on Sunday night heading into uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, MLK game. You know, the Grizzlies, this is one of the highlighted games of the year because, you know, this is basically our Christmas Day. Like, you know, anybody would, uh, a lot of franchises would love to be on the Christmas Day slate of games. This is the Grizzlies' true time to shine. And, you know, over the past few years, you know, it has not been, you know, don't get me wrong, that the effort and the presentation and the product of the celebration of Dr. King has certainly been on par with, you know, the past years, but the product that the Grizzlies put on the court ha- has been less than ideal. Well, this year, considering the Grizzlies and their opponent in the Pelicans, it really is a chance on the national stage for the the, the NBA to truly, the, the NBA um, 
fandom as a whole to truly get a perspective of just how talented these two franchises are. And that's not even considering the fact that the very next game for the Pelicans, they've got Zion coming back. But, you know, you mentioned the national spotlight, and I know how much of a fan you are of the NBA as a whole, Lauren. I I talked with Preston about this a little bit. Your excitement about the fact that the Southwest Division, these two teams with their young cores, Dallas with Luka, and obviously, you know, um, the duo of Russell and um, Harden in Houston along with San Antonio, the Southwest Division is coming up a lot, but it's nice to have the ability to see these young cores in place. Your excitement about that and the fact that as Grizzlies fans, we get to see, you know, those cores, that talent up front, you know, just about as much, if not more than anybody else in the league. Yeah, that's, I mean, incredible. I I will be in the house um, for the MLK game. I'm very excited, a little less excited uh, that Zion wasn't playing. (laughs) I was looking forward to that, but I I understood that they wanted to view him at home. Um, But I mean, uh, yeah, I I completely agree that, the entire division is both in terms of teams that can compete now, like say the Rockets. Um, and then you have teams like the Spurs that are a, a bit in between. They have some veterans um, and they also have some intriguing young pieces. And then uh, three teams with some very uh, intriguing young cores in, in, in Dallas, the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. It's, it's a very interesting spot. And um you know, the Pelicans, I was very high on them uh, prior to the season. I thought they would make the playoffs. Um, I really did like their roster. Uh, I thought Derek Favors uh, was a good piece. I've always actually kind of been pretty high on Lonzo Ball um, in terms of a player that, you know, he, he we, we a lot of times kind of jump ahead and, and say, oh, this guy isn't what, what he expected. Um, you know, if, if they don't reach their potential immediately, but Lonzo Ball is 22 years old and people were writing him off already. Um, but he's kind of played, you know, a lot better lately, kind of rounded into form. You know, I don't know if he's ever going to be that, that multi-time uh, all-star uh, that the Lakers thought um, they were getting when they drafted him, but he's certainly, I think, going to be a solid piece for them. And then Brandon Ingram, it's just been unbelievable. Um, you know, he's a guy that I wish was on a borderline max deal because he's for sure a, a max player that the Pelicans will definitely retain. But I wish that he was on that borderline and with the Grizzlies having all the cap space they do next year that they could max Brandon Ingram. But he's been unbelievable, too. So um, it should be a lot of fun, uh, that game. You know, I, I, Zion or not, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a game that has that playoff implication with the eighth seed. And uh, I think that the Pelicans will definitely be one of those teams uh, that's right there in the mix with the Grizzlies for the eighth seed uh, down the stretch. It makes sense. You know, there's been a lot of talk that once they get Zion back, you know, they can get on a little run themselves and and they, their end of the season, Preston astutely pointed this out in the first part of the podcast they, you know, they they finish the season um, with with the schedule very favorable to what the Grizzlies have gone through, um, and, and and that's that's the thing that will in terms of you know the the overall quality of opposition is you know favorable uh, for a run to happen, and that's what we'll end on, Lauren. You know, with the Grizzlies' upcoming schedule, they're right now, you know, they they they've played 
Um, I believe it's 23 home games versus eight there. Yeah, 24 home games versus 18 on the road. We're eventually going to run into playing more away games. As a matter of fact, um, you know, even though the All-Star break's in there, the Grizzlies only play three home games, you know, in more than a month stretch from the beginning of February to the beginning of March. The schedule is going to get a little bit tougher um, as well. Now, I'm not saying I don't know what what implications it'll have on the playoff. I think the Grizzlies are, are to the point now, especially if they can pull off the win tomorrow, they're going to continue being in the picture. But as the schedule gets a little bit tougher, both in terms of competition and being on the road more, do you think regression is coming? And and, and do you feel that you know? Are you confident that the Grizzlies can navigate their ways through it? I mean, obviously yes, but do, do you feel like it's something that? will make a significant impact if regression does happen? Um, you know, I think it's a, I think there's a point where I would respond that it's natural that the Grizzlies will probably regress. But I think at this point, we've had a long enough sample size that I don't, I don't think they will. I just, I think, you know, I, I don't know that they're going to be on this level of a hot streak that they've been on, but I don't know what's going to change. Uh, you know, I don't think they're going to get rid of any major pieces at the, at the deadline that would affect the team. I think the system, um, you know, is what it is, and they're going to score enough points to be competitive in most games. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the actual final record down the stretch will be. Um, you know, I don't think it'll be quite, again, what the tear that they've been on. But I do think that this is sustainable. I do think that we're to the point where, you know, it's a large enough sample size that I wouldn't count necessarily on a, a massive regression or something like that to where, um, to where they're not competing uh, for a playoff spot. Uh, I would definitely not say that. Um, and I think the players have bought in. I think they believe in Taylor Jenkins, and um, I think they, I think it's a huge part of of this is the guys liking playing with each other. I think that's a huge underrated factor in terms of, um, you know, you can just kind of see some other franchises that have been floundering so long. uh, And and what is one of the main reasons, and it's that they don't have a culture, they don't have a buy into the locker room. Um, You know, this, they're not there yet. But this team is certainly to the point where I can tell that that is something that they absolutely put an uh, importance on. And I think that's a huge factor um, in terms of, you know, being able to sustain this. What what exactly that means and what the end result will be, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I do think that it's enough to sustain them in this in this playoff hunt. And I, I would not count on a, on a regression. Uh, to an extreme extent down the stretch. And, and, and you hit the um, nail on the head again. We're here with Lauren Harvey um, as we're wrapping up with Lauren. Uh, I, I think you hit the, the, the nail on the head, you know, that, you know, you mentioned that, you know, the culture that's here, you know, it's actually helping that there's not a defined culture here, that that was a clean slate as well. Unlike the past few years when we were trying to recreate the past, even though we really just, it didn't make sense to do that. We didn't have the pieces anymore, but we're creating the culture as our success goes on, but we're committed to creating one. And, it, you know, it's one now that, you know, is more with the modern NBA. It celebrates personality 
Valley celebrates, you know, you know, the fact that we truly have a superstar in the making in John Moran and a great supporting cast in uh, Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark. There's a young, exciting, just, you know, fun atmosphere that's going on. But that's the thing about the Grizzlies is that their whole reason why they have been so successful both off the court and on the court, is their commitment to detail. It was the commitment to making sure every single trade was as good and great as possible, and look where it landed us. It was the commitment to developing talent. It was the commitment to finding a system that fit our team. And now we, you know, historically have the best offense that the Grizzlies have ever seen. And I agree with you. Regression probably will not have that much of an impact because of how deep our offense is. Our, our, Our offense has enough quality about it if you look at advanced metrics to where it can be sustained so that's that's crazy to think about um that we can have a sustainable above average offense in the nba you know half a season into our new era lauren is there anything else you'd like to touch base on before um, we, we head out for the evening and he can't thank you enough for for taking the time to join us uh absolutely glad glad to join you i just want to say um to have fun with this. <laughs> you know, as a Grizzlies fan, we're in yep. uncharted territory. We really are. And just have fun with it. Uh, there's a lot of kind of crazy debates going on right there uh, in social media. But the most important thing is just have fun. <laughs> I mean, we're, it's, it's really uh, fun to see. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this group grow over the next however many years. So um, just have fun with it is what I would say. Absolutely. You know, that's the thing about it. While you shouldn't, just like you shouldn't put limitations on how far this Grizzlies core can go, don't sit there and cause limitations to be on your fun or on your fun either. Um, at the end of the day, uh, that's what makes this so special is that how wonderful um, of, of a job that our front office has done, the coaching staff has done, and how awesome it is night in and night out to be a Grizzlies fan once again. For Lauren Harvey, my name is Sean Coleman. Thanks so much for joining us on the 3 and D podcast. Please, if you're going to the game with Lauren, enjoy it. I'll be enjoying it from home myself. But we'll be back with you next week. Justin Lewis should be back with me. But thanks so much, as always, for joining us here on the 3 and D podcast.